Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of Hammering Down, presented to you by Birmingham Sports. I'm your host, Kayla Hodges. I'm hoping you guys are having a great day, great afternoon, great night, whatever it is for you. I'm hoping you're having a great one. Yeah, this is a packed show. This is great, great stuff. It's kind of a longer one, um, but uh, every single moment of it is just amazing. I talked to the man himself, the vice president of business and one of the founders of the Birmingham Hammers, Mr. Morgan Trotter Coates. He was amazing. We talked from everything from his playing days down at the University of Mobile to the Birmingham City FC and everything in between from his transition from starting the Hammers to starting the, the Legion. It, it was so amazing. I had a blast just listening to him talk. I could have, I could have listened to him go on forever. So without wasting much of your time, let's just go ahead and hop into this. Go ahead and pause this podcast now. Go ahead and get yourself a nice big cup of Red Diamond coffee or tea, whichever one you want to drink, and let's sit down and enjoy this. All right. Um, welcome to this episode of Hammering Down, and I am being joined by Morgan Trotter Copes, one of the uh, founders of the Birmingham Hammers and the current vice president of in business at the Birmingham Legion. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Kayler. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. There's, I have a few questions for you, so we're going to try to run through these as quick as possible. The first one I have is about your playing days down at the University of Mobile. I couldn't find too many statistics, but I did see that you were the number nine, so I guess you were kind of a hot shot when you were down there. <laughs> that is the, the furthest thing uh, from the truth, to be honest with you. So when I first got to Mobile, it was in 2005, um, and uh, I was six foot two, probably 150 pounds, 100, you know, 55 on a good day. And um, I am not the fastest individual on the planet. Um, you know, uh, so I grew up as an outside midfielder um, because, you know, service was kind of something I was good at um, or thought I was good at. And uh, so I played as a wide midfielder and would cross balls in all the time. But uh, when you get to the college level and at a school like Mobile with its rich tradition and history of great players, um, you know, I, I simply wasn't fast enough to play on the wing. So my coach started me at center back um, or moved me to center back. And so I had to learn a new position that I really had never played before. Um, and it did not go great. Um, and a couple of years in, I, I went to went and sat with him and, you know, discussed my future with the club and where I thought uh, I could fit in or or with the with the university and where I thought I could fit in. And, um, you know, I ended up becoming a center forward and, you know, I was never a, um, a consistent starter, uh, but, you know, I had a really, really good junior season and, um, you know, was second in the team in goals. And um, I was more of a, uh, a super sub than anything else. I would come on and, you know, play for 15 minutes and I'd typically score a goal. And I think at one point I had the, uh, the best uh, goal per 90 minutes um, uh, average uh, in the entire NAIA, right? Because um, Mobile is not an NCAA school. They were an NAIA school. And so, 
um, you know, it was a, it was a great experience to be down there because there were so many international players and so many guys who were just, I mean, out of this world good. And, um, you know, there's two or three of them who I know went on to have, uh, you know, MLS careers and, um, had some success at those levels. And, um, you know, then, I mean, there was a guy who I played with, his name was Robert, o, uh, Robert O'Chan and we called him grandpa because uh, his passport said he was 35 when he got there, but he played for Kenya for 10 years and played in two or three World Cup qualifying campaigns. And, you know, just the um, uh, the number of great players that came that come through that university and are still coming through that university is um, is, is very surprising. And uh, actually one of my teammates now is the assistant goalkeeper coach at Leeds United and has been there for two or three years now. So it's been, it's been really fun to watch uh, – you know, watch his, uh, his progress and the fact that he's now in the Premier League with his, uh, with a team that he helped get there. And it's, uh, it's a really neat thing, but you know, my, my junior season was definitely my best. And, um, I got a chance. I scored two goals in a national tournament. Um, and then, uh, we got knocked out in the next round, unfortunately to the eventual champions. Um, but we made it to the, the quarterfinals. That was as far as we got while I was in school, but, you know, it was a really fun, fun experience. And then, um, you know, I, uh, had the opportunity to play more and more year um, while getting my MBA at Mobile. And uh, then my last year in school, I decided to, you know, be on the, on the coaching staff and was an assistant there. Um, and that year the team made it all the way to the national final. And, you know, I think seven to 10 minutes into the game, our, um, our captain and center back, um, uh, he tore his ACL. Uh, and then Notre Dame uh, ended up being a team that went it that year and they beat us 1-0 off of a, you know, just kind of a, a little bit of a fluke goal. And so it was kind of a, a crazy, a crazy feeling and not a great one, but, um, you know, it was, it was such an amazing place to play. And you know, our coach, Peter Fuller was, you know, is by far the, the best tactician I ever played for and uh, in all of my, my playing experience. And, you know, it was just a, a really neat place um, to be. Uh, and you know, Remy Roy, who was our goalkeeper coach um, uh, at the time, and my, our assistant ended up actually going to New England and worked for worked with Jay and Tommy um, in New England and was their assistant uh, or was the goalkeeping coach up there in New England and the MLS for, you know, Jay's entire tenure um, as a head coach. And so had I not gone to Mobile, um, you know, I know I wouldn't be sitting where I'm at and I know that, uh, it'd be very, uh, very unlikely that Remy or that, uh, that Jay Heaps and Tommy Sohn would have made it to, to Birmingham, Alabama to coach Legion FC and, you know, be the general president, general manager, respectively. And that is quite the history that Mobile has and obviously led to Birmingham having the talent and all the coaching that we have and, as many fans have seen with the signings we've made, I mean, have some serious pull when it, when it comes to signing players and keeping players around. So I do, Absolutely. I have a kind of a, a question about how you got to Mobile. Cause if I have read right, you are from Texas and what brought you to Mobile? And then since you are from Texas, what made you want to bring professional soccer to Birmingham as a person that's not even from the state? Yeah. So um, I was born in New Orleans um, and grew up all over the Southeast and then did most of my growing up in Texas. Um, I played club soccer 
in high school soccer in, in Texas. And then, um, you know, when I finished school, I didn't have finished high school. I didn't have any offers coming out that you know, I really wanted to go, um, really wanted to take. And, um, you know, I went to LSU for my freshman year of college. And uh, while I was there, um, you know, I played uh, for a U19 club team. And, uh, the coach there, you know, really encouraged me to go try and find a place, uh, to play. And, you know, I started looking around and found mobile and went and visited and, you know, was offered a, uh, a small scholarship to, to go there. And, um, you know, that's kind of how I ended up in mobile. And, uh, then, you know, in 2012, I moved up here, um, to Birmingham, Alabama as part of, um, you know, regions management associate program. And, went through that and then worked at the bank for five years. And so, um, you know, I've, I've loved Birmingham ever since I've been here and it's been amazing to see the growth of the city, um, since 2012, um, when I got here and, you know, I just, I absolutely have fallen in love with this place and, um, you know, hope to hope to be here for a very long time. So obviously in that meantime of while you're working at the bank, you were, starting up the hammers because i mean if i mean if i remember right the idea of the hammers really started coming around in around that 2013 2014 or even even a little earlier so what started that process and what made you decide that the mpsl and that for i guess you'd call it the fourth division what made you decide that that was the right route to take well so uh you know another tie to university of mobile is um, you know, our other co-founder, John Killian, um, went to school with me down there and we lived in the same hall or in the same dorm for, um, for a year or two. And, uh, you know, we always, uh, kind of kept in touch a little bit and, um, you know, John was a big supporter and a big fan of, uh, the university soccer team while we were there. And, uh, he, uh, you know, was living in Birmingham before I moved up here cause John's from Birmingham, Alabama. And, you know, I think, you know, we were, uh, hanging out at uh, a local brewery um here in town you know in probably 2013 i think and we started chit chat um about you know what we wanted to do while we were here and you know started talking about soccer and at the time indy 11 was um you know uh trying to get off the ground and they had the brickyard battalion who were um you know trying to attract a team to to that market and um they were ultimately successful and uh you know kind of kind of wanted to follow in their footsteps and, you know, took a, took a couple of uh, pages from their book and just kind of got started. And, you know, really uh, it took off once we really decided that it was something we really wanted to put a lot of time and uh, effort into. And, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that we did. And uh, you know, cause there's no telling, uh, there's no telling where I'd be if we hadn't done that. Right. Absolutely. Uh, excuse me. Absolutely. I mean, I remember going to the, to the first official game in 2016, which obviously the Hammers were an exhibition team in 2015. But I remember going to that first ever match, and I I think I remember us losing like 1-0, but I still had a great time, and I could not believe that there was real deal soccer here in the U.S., or not in the U.S., but here in Birmingham. So, I mean, we've definitely come a long way. So... I do with the whole Birmingham Legion were or not the Legion, so sorry, the Hammers, they were they were considered, I guess, a grassroots club. And but it 
it kind of was brought up the idea of the team came around before the idea of being a grassroots club was really romanticized like it is now, you know, starting in 2019, 2020. How was the process of, you know, the beginning of being a grassroots club? How do you feel about the movement now? And how hard was it to advertise for a team that wasn't MLS or USL? Well, I think, you know, we had a, we had a, a wonderful partnership with Vestavi um, Hill Soccer Club and, you know, Rocky Harmon was, was great and, you know, helping us get the word out to, to their club. And then obviously social media is, it's amazing what you can do with social media and uh, the targeted marketing that you can do. And, um, you know, just word of mouth advertising is such a, um, a big thing and, you know, social media for, for the, for the most part, you can make it as free as you want it to be and you can spend money if you'd like, but, you know, you can still um, hit a very targeted audience. And, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what our um, philosophy was and our plans were. And, you know, so it just kind of, it it took, took a life of its own. And so, you know, you, you talk about getting up to the first day, first actual game when we played Chattanooga FC, I think it was, and, you know, you're right. We lost one zero off of a corner. Um, you know, it was a, it was an incredible feeling just to kind of have everybody there and see all of the, the hard work and effort that had gone into it and having that season previously, the year prior and, um, uh, you know, making it all happen. And I think it was, it was just a, uh, a perfect storm of things that, that happened. And, uh, you know, St. Vincent's, who was our first shirt sponsor and then BBVA came in and was a shirt sponsor and, um, you know, if it wasn't for those two organizations, right, it would have it would have been a lot more difficult um, to get the word out because we use a lot of the funds that they had to not only outfit the team and, um, you know, rent the fields, but we had to use a lot of those dollars to, to market and try and get out to people. And so I think a lot of what we did was, um, you know, as, um, as much word of mouth as we possibly could have. And, um, you know, knowing we were on a, a shoestring budget and um, you know, but, uh, ultimately I think it was effective enough. You know, we usually averaged about 700, 750 fans a game. And I think that was a, a great number for, for the size of club that we were at that time. Um, obviously we would have loved to have more, but, um, you know, I think ultimately our, you know, our goal was to attract the professional team to the magic city. And I believe, um, we have succeeded in doing that. Was there ever a point where you wanted to, do a fan-owned club like Detroit City or now Lansing has? Was that ever an option, or was that something you wanted to try to stay away from? You know, when we were looking at it, um, you know, Nashville FC at the time, um, they're now Nashville SC. Uh, you know, I'm very good friends with Chris Jones, who kind of started the movement up there, and they did it as a, you know, kind of a an ownership, a fan-owned club type uh, model, and you know, we wanted to stay away from that um, specifically just because, you know, we felt that um, it would, it would create more problems down the line, um, which, you know, ultimately um, I believe Nashville FC, you know, cha- had to change their name because of, uh, because of having it as a fan owned club. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, I think that we made the right decision. Um, if I had to go back and do it again, I would do it the same way. Uh, but I, I definitely think there's some, some allure and there's some um, excitement around saying you can 
you know, you own part of a club. Right. And I think a lot of people are drawn to that. And I think it's a, it's a fun thing to do. And I think now, you know, in today's world with all the technology that we have, it's, it's much easier to, to get involved and stay involved with um, a club through all the digital um, technology that you can use in order to watch games and interact with the players. And, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a really neat thing um, with, with grassroots soccer and these grassroots clubs. And there's, there's no um, true way to um, describe uh, how much passion goes into a lot of those uh, smaller clubs. Before we move on to the Legion, kind of going on that same thread of grassroots club, do you guys work with the one of the grassroots clubs around here, uh, the Black Bears FC? Have you guys talked to them? And if there is a relationship there, what is that like as a fully professional club working with some with a grassroots club? Or if you don't work with them, what's it like sharing a space with them? Um, you know, I think, I don't think we have a, we don't have a relationship with them, um, in an official capacity by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I, I think, you know, we, I would encourage that, that group to, you know, do all they can to, to really help spread the, spread the love of the game. I think that's the, um, the biggest thing that, that I would say, right. Um, you know, I think, um, operating in the same space, I think it's two different worlds. I think, you know, you look at the size of Legion FC and um, just the um, from the stadium to the fan base to the you know dollars um, that it brings in and the you know the expenses that it has. It's it's a two there are two totally different uh, worlds and it, it, you really can't uh, um, compare the two um, to be honest. That's totally understandable. So moving and kind of I guess graduating from something like the Hammers to now the Legion what was that transition like for you I guess as professionally and just as a person going from from the PDL which is now League Two to the championship and what are kind of the differences that you see from day to day yeah it was definitely an interesting one because you know our ownership group um, you know put their faith in me and, and asked me to be the first employee of Legion FC, which is something I'll always, uh, always get to have and always be. And, um, it's such a, it's such a great honor. And, you know, it, it it's hard, it's hard to put into words how, uh, how much it means. Cause it was, you know, it was, a, it was a pipe dream, right. And there were so many people who didn't believe that it would ever happen in the first place. And then it happened. And, you know, so I think, um, you know, the transition was, uh, it was a fun one. It was an exciting one because uh, everything had all the buildup and we hadn't kicked the ball yet. And there were so many things to do just from getting business licenses down to, I mean, one of the first tasks I had to do was, you know, help the ownership with the brand. Um, and, you know, at the time we um, started, we hadn't ruled out the hammers and, um, but we hadn't said we were going to be them either. And I'm, I'm very happy um, and very proud to have been a part of, you know, creating the Legion FC brand. And I think it, you know, big communications did a great job with it and I, I love it. And I think, you know, the market has responded positively to it. And um, I know it'll be here for, for a very long time. And, you know, it's just um, in terms of, in terms of the day to the day, um, you know, it, it became my day to day, uh, which, 
was not what it was prior to. I was working at the bank and um, at Regions Bank doing that. And so, you know, when I was working with the Hammers, it was on a volunteer basis and I was doing it at night up till three o'clock in the morning sometimes, um, you know, packing orders and sending out merchandise. And then, um, you know, uh, when I got to, um, you know, uh, 2017 in, in June, 2017, when I started at Legion FC, it was, a, um, you know, it was a, it was an awesome experience because it, you know, to, uh, to be able to actually, you know, create a club from literally, um, from, from nothing, right. Is, uh, is a wild experience. And, you know, you go through the same, uh, growing pains that any startup business would go through. You've got to, um, you know, establish your brand and get your marketing done. You've got to get all your stuff um, uh, set up so that you can operate in your contracts and your players and your coaching staff and, uh, you know, your stadium. And it just kind of, it all, it all comes very, very, it all came very, very quickly. And it was, uh, uh, it was a fun process and a fun time for sure. So, as I want to make sure I got this right, you are the vice president of business with the Legion. What exactly is that role? How would you explain that, you know, in layman's terms to someone who may not understand the technical side of soccer or the behind the scenes? It's a little bit of everything, um, you know, I, uh, is, is the best way to describe it. And, uh, you know, it, it changes from, from day to day, from, you know, uh, looking at looking at uh, contracts with vendors to trying to negotiate, uh, you know, uh, new pricing with uh, with other vendors and looking for ways to improve uh, at the stadium and how we can uh, make a better experience for our fans to, you know, I mean, even lately during this Christmas period, right, or this holiday period when we've been sending out a lot of merchandise to folks sometimes. You know, I'm finding myself, I have to pack some orders here and there. Um, so uh, if I've messed anybody up and anybody hears this, uh, hopefully hopefully I didn't mess it up too bad. Um, if I did, I apologize. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a large uh, scope of work um, that, that goes into to what I do on a daily basis. And it, and it changes um, from week to week also. Um, you know, there's not so much of my role is on the technical side of things. Um, you know, I, I don't do a lot with the, the first team or the players or, um, you know, Jay, um, our, our general manager, president and general manager, Ian Tommy, our head coach, do a, do a great job of managing that side of the business. And, um, you know, it's exciting to, to get to see them watch or get to see them work and how they uh, go about doing things. It's, it's definitely something you can, um, uh, can learn from just just being in the same room or just being in and around them and listening to them speak about what it is they try and do on a daily basis with the first team and um, you know so uh, it's it's a it's a wild it's a wild ride that's for sure I think um, a lot of people see sports as such a fun exciting and entertaining uh, business to be in but they don't realize that there's a lot of stuff that has to go on in order for that game to go off and for um, you know, that, uh, that event to take place in a whole season to be completed. Right. Absolutely. So you're not the only one that made the jump from the hammers to the Legion. 
if I remember right, if I've tracked everything correctly, there were three players from the Hammers that ended up making either a start or an appearance with the Legion last year from someone who made that jump with them. What was that moment like of seeing that guys that you've known since they were in college or they weren't even professional players yet, you know, doing some great things on the pitch for a fully professional club? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, it's really neat, right? It's a really fun, um, uh, fun feeling to see, to see some of that. And, you know, the, the guys that, uh, you know, made the jump were like Ben Casera and Machu Laurent and um, Gail uh, Maviala and uh, Tyler Savitsky, I think were, were the four guys who, who made the jump. And, um, you know, it was fun, um, uh, really fun uh, watching Ben Casera actually come on at Loudon because uh, I had actually decided to take a little vacation and went up and watched the road game. I typically don't travel. And so I got to go watch it and, you know, he had a great game and, uh, you know, we ended up, I think we tied one, one that day, but, you know, Ben played great and, you know, your um, my heart's broken for uh, Machu Laurent when he tore his, uh, tore his knee up again. And, um, you know, he was always a guy that I thought could have been, um, really really good and i think a lot of people um thought very highly of him not just as a player but as a person and so when you get to see see those guys go in and succeed and then um yeah you know and then have the heartbreak of of an injury um you know it's 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 a full range of emotions and so it was just uh i was excited for those four guys to get the opportunity for sure so I mean, I absolutely. I mean, I, I like I said, I remember going to the first Hammers game and seeing guys that because I was a, I guess, a later in high school person. But, you know, I still had those dreams of playing, seeing those guys who were not much older than me make the jump from that to fully professional. I really had a close attachment to those players and I could only imagine what it was like for you. And I know for me, since I did have the Hammers experience, the jump from the Hammers to the Legion was just was just amazing. I think about those Hammers days so sweetly, and I think I think of it of it so fondly because of what that Legion have become. You, as a person who saw it from the beginning to now, what's it kind of been like? I guess culture wise around the city, seeing it go from you know, six, 700 people to a packed out house against something like Atlanta United, like we had this last year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy um, to think that it actually happened. I still have to stop and pinch myself uh, from time to time. Uh, you know, and uh, to be honest, it's um, for the most part, it hasn't, it still hasn't sunk in sometimes it feels like, and, uh, you know, we had the game against, um, you know, Atlanta United at the beginning of 2020. It was, um, as you said, it was a packed house. And, you know, on a, on a game day or a couple of days leading up to it all, you know, you, you're rushing around trying to make sure everything's set and all the things that are done behind the scenes that impact the experience for fans are done and completed. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's chaotic um, a lot of times. And, um, you know, so it's, it's funny. I, a lot of times on games, I don't have to, I don't actually get to watch the game, um, which I think is, it's good. So it's good that I don't get to watch it sometimes because I, 
I feel like I would get uh, very emotional and, um, you know, get wrapped up in the game and then I wouldn't be able to do my job well. And I know that that's a, an important thing for me to do on game day. Um, but, you know, looking back at some of the pictures and seeing some of the stuff and obviously reading some of the comments on social media and, you know, and, and throughout, uh, you know, our office hearing how people, um, you know, or my, my coworkers, uh, um, how they got feedback from fans and how much fun everybody had and, you know, how the game was exciting. And you know, I think, you know, we lost it, lost it just there at the very end. And, you know, a lot of people would argue that, the, you know, he was offside and so it should have been two, two, we should have tied that game. And, you know, I think it was um, such a, a lot of times game days become a blur and um, uh, you know, you, you have to remind yourself uh, to stop and just kind of take it all in a couple of times. And, and so, um, you know, uh, I try my best not to get, uh, too wrapped up in the game or to wrap up in the experience, just because I know that there's so much more that has to happen, uh, in order for everybody to continue to have a good experience and, and want to come back. And so I think that's the most, uh, most important thing is, uh, making sure that people have a good time so that they're, they're willing to come back, um, to, to games in the future. I know that you have mentioned social media and getting feedback from fans and whatnot. And like you said, I mean, social media was a pretty big platform, you guys, with the Hammers when you first started to get your word out. When you started thinking, thinking about everything from the very beginning, just social media wise, I guess, could you have imagined that what came from the Hammers could have led to this weird relationship that the Legion have with Birmingham city and, you know, England, could you have ever seen something like that happening? And for, as a front office person, what was that like? Cause as a fan, it was weird. I can only imagine what it was like for you guys. You know, I, I think it, it was exciting and I think it's, you know, a great, uh, a great thing that's happened. And, you know, I think a couple of times the uh, Birmingham city have posted a, uh, a video of all Americans that have, you know, come to play for them. And I think it's, it's a fun, um, you know, relationship that's uh, really been organic and developed uh, because of, because of the Magic City Brigade and our, our great fans. And, you know, if they didn't um, post that video and then end up interacting back and forth with Birmingham City fans, you know, we're not sitting here talking about it. And I think it's just a, a neat thing. And, um, you know, I think the best things are the organic things that happen. Um, I mean, donuts for, um, for crying out loud, who knew that donuts were going to come such a thing. And, um, you know, Pat Van Oakles turned that into, um, such a great thing. And all the guys that play on the back line who, you know, have worked hard to, um, uh, to get all those, to get all those donuts. Right. And, um, but, you know, I, I never knew that it would, uh, turn into an international relationship with a team like Birmingham city and, I think it's, it's, it's truly amazing. Um, and hopefully, hopefully in the future we can, we can get them over here to, to play us and maybe one time we'll go over there and play them at some point. And um, I know it would be great to, great to have, um, uh, great to have happen for sure. I got two more questions for you. Um, one, the first one is one that comes from Birmingham sports, the, 
the group that I'm affiliated with and I'm working with this podcast with, and that is the idea of a Mikey Lopez. And I'm going to expand it. Just anybody on the club of bobbleheads. Could we possibly sing bobblehead nights for any of the players or even, uh, you know, coach Tommy, or is that something that might not happen? So, I, you know, I'll never rule anything out, but when you talk about Mikey, or even Matt Van Oka, right? I think the, the real question is, if you decide to do that, what hairstyle do they have? Um, you know, I, Mikey always, Mikey always uh, dyes his hair and changes it, and Matt likes to shave his sometime or let it grow out. And, you know, he's got a beard or he doesn't have a beard or he has a mustache like he had against Tampa, um, you know, down in the playoffs this year. And, um, you know, I think that, um, uh, I think that's, uh, it could happen in the future. I'm not going to commit to it. I won't say yes, uh, but you know, I know that uh, it probably be something we'd have to give away as people leave because uh, I have seen some uh, horror stories where people will, um, you know, pop the head off of a bobblehead doll and decide to turn it into a projectile and throw it to the players or the field or or other people. And you know, that's always not a uh, that's not a fun situation to be in, but. Uh, I think we could probably work something out to where we could have a bobblehead at night. Um, and, uh, um, but that's a, that's a great question. We'll, we'll see what we can do. I think for the styles, I think for me, the obvious choice for Mikey is he has to have the blonde hair. Everybody knows he is full, you know, super saying at his best when he's in the blonde hair and for, mm-hmm. for Matt uh, Van Okel, I mean, I think his name is like Mr. Eggman. The, that look from the villain from Sonic. Yeah, I think that has to be the look of him chasing <laughs> after the donut rings. Uh, that'd be, I, I promise you, I don't miss many games, but I, I will be the first one in that line if, if, if and when that ever happens. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. So last question I have, I guess it's not even a question, but more or less, I want to give you a chance, I guess, if, is there anything that you want to tell fans or anybody listening about either a, your job about what to expect from the team coming up or really just anything that's on, on your mind that you want to just let fans know. And this is your open space to kind of air that out. Yeah, I look, I'd like to just extend an, an incredible amount of um, thanks and gratitude towards all of our fans who've continued to support us through through 2020. It wasn't an easy year for anybody. And, you know, I think uh, it certainly doesn't happen without the fans. And for all those folks and, and people who came out to games and to um, who bought merchandise and, you know, were there to cheer on the guys, um, you know, uh, throughout the entire season, you know, I, we can't say, I can't say thank you enough, um, you know, to, to those individuals who've, who've given pretty much everything that they have to this club. I think it's such a, um, amazing thing to have a great fan base. And, you know, we, we definitely have, uh, some of the best fans in the entire league. And if not the, you know, in definitely the entire country, it's just a, a passionate group of people who really care about um you know not just the result but um you know uh, the the way that we interact with the community and um how we're a part of it and i think um you know i I hope that we do a great job i believe that i believe we do a great job and i just hope that everybody else thinks the same but you know my uh my biggest thing is i you know i just want to say thank you to every all the fans who 
um, supported from the early days till, you know, um, up until today. It's, uh, it doesn't happen without them. Absolutely. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. That was awesome. This interview has been great. It's been such a pleasure for me because I did a lot of research going up for this, but I feel like I've learned more about the hammers and about you and the Legion than I ever have before. So I hope everybody that's listening, you know, has the same reaction, but for me, I know this was awesome. So thank you again so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Anytime. I'm happy to do it. And uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. This is again, Morgan Charcopes, uh, the vice president of business for the Legion and one of the founders of the Birmingham Hammers. Cannot thank you enough for coming on, man. Thanks so much, Taylor. Take care. You too. Cannot thank you guys enough for listening. This was a great time. I loved listening to Morgan talk. He's such an intelligent dude. If you don't mind, go show him some love on the old social media. You can find him on Twitter at Copsey underscore Beham or at C-O-P-E-S-Y underscore B-H-M. That is his official Twitter. Please go show him some love. It was an amazing interview. And yeah, thank you guys so much. If you want to give me some feedback or shoot me some love, you can find me on my Twitter at Kaylor Hodges. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Cannot wait to have you guys back and keep hammering on, guys. Later. <laughs>